Welcome menopause warriors. Come join us where few women have gone before. Our mission is to demystify the menopause journey. We seek to break through the stigma of getting older and provide our listeners with real solutions, support, and answers to give women the tools to live their healthiest, fullest lives. Our guests include healthcare experts, educators, nutritionists, hormone specialists, cultural icons, and everyday amazing women. Come celebrate with us and learn the wonders of menopause. Embrace the heat. Welcome, welcome, menopause warriors. Today we are with Dr. Tony Mueller. She has been practicing medicine for 15 years. She is the current medical director of the Complete Women's Care Practice. Her purpose is to provide quality of care in every aspect of women's health, honesty, compassion, and empathy with the utmost highest of integrity is the foundation of her physician's philosophy. Welcome, Dr. Mueller. Thank you for being here today with us. I want to first just say, since I've been on this mission, and then SJ came on and joined me, and we this movement that we are on to uncover or demystify menopause, your name constantly comes up time and time again, Dr. Mueller, Dr. Mueller, Dr. Mueller saved me, Dr. Mueller helped me out. So I am thrilled that you are with us today. I hope you can give us some tips and provide our listeners with some really good information. I thank you for what you do and that you are on this forefront and you are also on this crusade with us. So thank you. I think SJ, our first question today is simple, right? Yeah. And it is, what is menopause? (laughs) We just want to, can you just tell us what is happening to us? Why is it happening to us? And then we'll go from there. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on with you, uh, lovely ladies. This is an amazing program that you have. Um, So I'll start off with, you know, the simple definition of menopause. It's defined as the end of our monthly cycles, uh, signaling the end of fertility for women. And the average age is 51. So, you know, the clinical definition of menopause is 12 months without a period. But prior to that, we have what's called perimenopause. And that could be up to four years prior. Now, there's a complex balance of estrogen and progesterone that's shifting. And that's what's leading to the disruption of our normal physical and mental state. And about 80% of women experience hormonal fluctuations. So when we think of menopausal symptoms, it's not the deficiency of hormones, it's rather the withdrawal of these hormones that give us the symptoms that we often hear about. Um, So let's start with estrogen deficiency. You know, we have hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, absent or irregular cycles, recurrent urinary tract infections or leakage of urine and dry skin. We have depression, fatigue, and poor memory. With regards to progesterone deficiency, we have heavier cycles, increased PMS symptoms, fibroids, increased abdominal fat, uh, increased irritability and anxiety, insomnia, and much more aggression during our perimenopausal state. And then finally, with regards to testosterone, we have decreased libido, uh, more painful intercourse, reduced muscle strength, joint pains, uh, excessive anxiety, and dry skin. But the most pronounced are the cardiovascular changes and the bone loss that's associated with menopause. So that's the definition in a nutshell. <laughs> Holy macaroni. Okay, so... Yeah. What's in there that does not affect us <laughs> severely? Like, like nice, that, covered, that covered everything, right? That covered everything. Nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and that's how I felt. I I did. I felt that way. I and and I love what you said about it's not the you know fluctuation of the hormones. It's a withdrawal. 
that our body's going through. Mm-hmm. That that exactly. is so key. I'm going to use that. And that helps people understand, I think, big time as far as what's going on with their body. Because you do feel, you feel crazy. You feel like, you know, I've birthed, for, for most women too, they birthed a child or they've been through something super severe in their life. They know women are strong. We can take this. And it's all of a sudden just hits us and it's dumbfounding to us and we're struggling and, you know, putting lotions and creams everywhere and, you know, trying to work on our mental health and we're at a loss. What would you say when people come to you, what what would you say is the number one across the board that is the hardest prior that to women are struggling with? <laughs> yeah. So prior to COVID? Yeah, prior or and then let's give an after yeah. COVID. Okay. Because yes. this past yeah. year has been quite, yeah, quite a different scenario. So I, I say prior to COVID, it was um, hormone balance. Everyone was talking about this hormone balance that they wanted to achieve. Uh, in the past year due to COVID, it's just been more anxiety, sleep disturbances, and it's just everything was just that much um, more accentuated. So it wasn't a balance. It was more like addressing issues that would not allow women to continue with their day-to-day function. You know, that's interesting because we, through this podcast, have talked to many people and Danielle, who we've had on here for breathwork, she's, she again said that if you handle your emotional state and work on yourself in that way through meditation and exercise and all that, it will help decrease your symptoms. Um, so that right there is a little positive or I should say affirmation that that could be connected. What is your take on the hormone replacement therapy and the risks and what, you know, well, first of all, let's, let's back up up a little bit. How did you become, you know, what in our community here, people are calling you the menopause doctor, you know, what have you targeted (laughs) it? I don't know if you know that, but that's what they've been talking about. Yeah, I know know, I did not. Prescribing some stuff and helping out some people. What, what led you to that within your practice? Because really, you're you are you an OBGYN? Yeah, I mean, I can seg- segue this from because one of your questions was with regards to men- uh, medical school and why. Do you want me to bridge mm-hmm. those two mm-hmm. together? Yeah, that would okay. be great. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, you asked a really poignant question. Why don't we learn about this in medical school? So, you know, hormone replacement therapy is one of the most misunderstood and misguided areas in medicine. Uh, we use bioidentical hormones for replacement with other diseases such as insulin, right, thyroid, and growth hormone. But why are we so confused with hormone replacement therapy? And I think it dates back to, you know, the 1930s when we were using horse urine to develop Premarin and the um, FDA approved estrogen back then in 1942. And since then, we've been using just Premarin and progesterone, both of which are synthetic. And because of the patent and because of FDA approval, and it's a billion dollar industry, it's been really hard to integrate kind of bioidentical hormone therapy. What got you to to actually start paying attention that this is a whole menopause could be its own gynecological category, don't you think? Um, absolutely. But with regards to, you know, we're not introduced to this uh, subject in uh, in medical school beyond, you know, just uh, what they teach us in endocrinology as, you know, this is what happens with our ovarian function and these are the symptoms and these are the medications provided. And again, like we talked about, um, you know, it's the FDA approved estrogen and progesterone that's been the mainstay stay because there's a patent and because it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big pharma industry driven 
protocol. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're not introduced to anything beyond that. And what happened was in 2002, I was in residency in OBGYN and the Women's Health Initiative study came. And I don't know if you guys all remember that, but the Women's Health Initiative study looked at, um, you know, estrogen and progesterone with relation to cardiovascular disease. Because back then, estrogen and progesterone were given to women to help protect heart disease, not for menopausal symptoms. And what they found, and they had to stop the study, is that it increased the risk of stroke, breast cancer, and um, pulmonary embolism and deep vein thrombosis. So they had to stop the study prematurely. And they basically said, you know, stop all hormone therapy. No one felt comfortable prescribing it. But no one looked at the fact that the average age of those women was 63. And most of them had underlying comorbidities, high blood pressure, diabetes. So they already looked at like a cohort of women that were 63 with underlying heart disease, compound that with estrogen and progesterone in one arm and then estrogen alone in the other arm. And of course, you're going to have a lot of risks. So this is what happened. We went from like 22% use of hormone therapy back then. In 2010, it went down to like 4.7%. And everyone was afraid of prescribing hormone therapy. And there was just like a complete shutdown. So that was in 2010. So throughout my whole training, well, I, I, not there was even, very little. Not, not even just doctors not wanting to prescribe it. People started educating like my generation of friends and myself, we educated ourselves and I have such a high cancer risk, you know, my in my family that I did not do the hormone replacement because of that study. Can we go back to that study? Because in every one of, almost in all, every episode now of our podcast, we all refer to this study of the Women's Initiative, you know, 2002. I know that study. I read that study and that's why I didn't do hormone replacement. Have there been studies that people can refer to that either contradict that study or we're all based Facing our information on a study of 2002, which was now going on 19 years ago. Like, don't you think we deserve another study? Absolutely. So, okay. So in December, 2019, estrogen was vindicated. So what happened was at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium, it was phenomenal because what they did is they found that they analyzed the Women's Health Initiative data and they find that estrogen therapy substantially reduced the risk of breast cancer and dying from breast cancer if you did get it. However, think about what was happening in December 2019. It was COVID. So that did not make headlines. It wasn't on the news. Mm -hmm. It was probably the most groundbreaking symposium in women's health. But because of COVID, it was overshadowed. So what they found in that symposium with relations to the Women's Health Initiative study that was reanalyzed is that it was the oral progesterone that was the causal agent. So remember, the Women's Health Initiative study was doing oral synthetic progesterone, and it was the oral synthetic progesterone arm alone that showed to have a higher risk of breast cancer compared to the estrogen and progesterone arm. So it's the culprit is synthetic oral progesterone. That's where, you know, hmm. I have to try to re-educate women because everyone is so afraid of estrogen, but it wasn't the estrogen arm. And so what sparked in you to go on, you know, this sort of crusade on women's health and you want to be at the forefront and and approach it with compassion and integrity, like you say in your, your physician's statement? What made you want to do this? So I think about two years ago, I started having severe, heavy and painful uh, menstrual cycles. And I was on the birth control pill because that's the mainstay of therapy for those symptoms. And I was talking to my nutritionist and we were doing all kinds of dietary changes and cutting out everything, eating clean and nothing was working. And so she 
put me in contact with a compounding pharmacist in Torrance. And he and I started talking, well, what is out there for what's called adenomyosis? Adenomyosis is basically endometriosis of the uterus. And that's not something that we learned about in medical school. This is a new diagnosis. And I'm finding that more and more women in their 40s leading into menopause are experiencing this. And he said, well, you know, it's got to be a hormonal imbalance. It's got to be like an estrogen dominance. And I was like, what is that? You know, like we never learned about that in med school. So I started diving into that. And I attended the um, compounding pharmacy symposium with him uh, two years ago. And that's where other doctors that were getting a functional medicine diploma, as well as other integrative medicine doctors, were all getting together to talk about alternative ways to manage menopause and other uh, issues related to women's health. And it kind of opened my eyes. And I saw that there's so much that I did not learn about and that my colleagues don't know about. And it's really unfortunate that I see women day to day and I'm not offering them optimal treatment modalities. So it started with my personal growth and um, journey to try to help myself. And then I felt so much better that I wanted to help my patients. And since then, I've just been attending conferences, learning online, talking to other experts and trying to provide the, the health, you know, the best therapy within the confines of optimizing someone's health without increasing the risk. Right. And so can you give us an explanation or your take on hormone, synthetic hormone replacement therapy and that what you're referring to is, are you referring to bioidenticals? Correct. Yeah. When so you say integrated. Yeah. Yes. Synthetic hormones are basically, they don't mimic what the body produces, whereas bioidentical hormones are made from yams by a compounding pharmacist and the estrogen and the progesterone is made to mimic the exact chemical that our body produces. Therefore, your body recognizes it, you know, it binds to the estrogen or progesterone receptors for 90 days. When you put a synthetic estrogen or progesterone to the receptors in our body, it lasts for six months. So it could do more damage. Right. And also, when you're talking about synthetic hormones, for instance, estrogen, when you're taking oral estrogen, and it's synthetic, it's metabolized by our liver into metabolites that are very toxic. And those are the toxic metabolites that increase our risk of breast cancer. It affects gallbladder disease. And because it's metabolized by the liver, it also increases our risk of blood clot formation. Now, is there anyone that is a candidate for synthetic hormones? Um, well, birth control pills. If you think about um, what's in estrogen, what's in birth control pills containing estrogen and progesterone, they're all synthetic. And so when you have young girls with really heavy, painful periods or who need contraception, this is all we have. You know, when we talk about bioidentical hormones, we're talking about women in their 40s who, you know, can use alternative contraceptive modalities, but really want to balance their hormones naturally. You can't really do that with someone in their 20s and 30s. I do with progesterone that's bioidentical to manage PMS and heavy painful periods. But, you know, again, that's not a contraception. And so it's been really challenging to, to integrate bioidentical hormones into the, all the aspects of women's health. But your go-to is the bioidenticals. If you could, you would absolutely you, in any situation you go right to bioidenticals. Ah, okay. Yeah, Good absolutely. To know. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So with that being said, what about these horrible symptoms of vaginal dryness, like where people cannot mm. 
even have any sort of sex whatsoever. Like I know friends that actually walking hurts them sometimes. The lining of their vagina is so dry that it's almost like a paper cut. And and I know that I'm not going to out any of my friends right here, but I do know that they have gone to you. You have prescribed them. You've treated them over like a three month period of time and they're better. They have like completely been cured and they were suffering with this for years, years now. So can you speak a little bit about that and wh- why why just this cream helps that and, and why my friends have gone to several doctors over the years and it took them maybe five or six doctors to get to you and then you gave them a little bit of cream and their life has changed. So, you know, when we talk about estrogen, it's really interesting. There are three types of estrogen. There's E1, estrone, there's E2, estradiol, which is the most common estrogen in our body and E3, which is estriol. And that's the protective estrogen. That's the one that's the highest during pregnancy. So it's protective, but it's the lowest one in menopause. So the reason we have all these complications related to menopause with regards to breast cancer and vaginal atrophies because you have lower E3 levels. So E3 in menopause protects against breast cancer and also helps the vaginal mucosa. So when we talk about helping bring more blood flow to the vaginal area, you talk about E3. And so estriol is not something that you can find synthetic. It's just no company has made that synthetically. It's compounded. And it's compounded into a cream that when applied to that area, in increases blood flow, helps with lubrication, helps with painful intercourse, and it's safe. Into that cream, you could also add DHEAS, you can add a little bit of testosterone, but it's life-changing because it's exactly what the body needs at that time. And do you know, are there any bioidenticals that help with hair loss? So hair loss is a whole, (laughs) um, you know, Why why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Because it's such a common complaint, but it's so multifactorial. You know, if it's definitely a decrease in progesterone, but it's not the only thing, you know, so to say that if I was to take bioidentical progesterone, my hair would grow back, you can't assume that that's it. It could be thyroid, you know, it could be vitamin deficiency, it could be low iron levels. Um, But what I found with regards to hair loss, it's, it's usually a stress on the body that culminated this. And it could have happened in the past three months. And only now is your body reacting to it. And so you're losing like 200 strands per day diffusely throughout your hair. And you're like, what happened? What's going on? Well, like I said, it could be a biotin deficiency, thyroid, iron, vitamin D deficiency, or progesterone. So we first have to get blood work to see what is it that's that's going on and, 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 and see what it is that you're missing. And if everything is normal, well, then you have to wait for your body to start healing. And it could take up to six to nine months for whatever it is that caused this stressor and your hair to fall out to dissipate and for your hair to grow back because it will. Rarely do you have to go to the dermatologist unless it's like focal hair loss. And what, if a, someone comes into you and they're just distraught and they're, they've got the hot flashes, they can't sleep at night, and you really sense that they are at their wits end or like mostly their mental health, right? You know, you know, you see it, that anxiety of, because all those symptoms that you just mentioned. That's why women are coming in at that heightened anxiety state. Do you, what do you recommend for that, for anxiety or irritability, sleeping? So we usually do a very thorough history and I have 
could say that the number one reason uh, as to why women have more anxiety and not as great of a response to stress has to do with poor sleep, right? Because you have to have restorative sleep in order to decrease cortisol that's being released from the adrenals. If you don't reduce your cortisol and you're on this constant fight or flight, you know, right, like you're being chased by a lion, which is how our bodies have adapted throughout the ages, it, it's going to be hard to balance your hormone. It's going to be hard to feel that sense of calm that we're all looking for, which goes back to what you're, uh, you were talking about with regards to meditation. So, you know, there isn't like a one pill fits all and there isn't just like, here, take this and you're going to feel better. You have to go down to the root cause of why is your stress so high? Why are you producing so much cortisol? How can we get you to sleep better? And then we can work on balancing your hormones because it's impossible to balance hormones okay, so if your cortisol is high. Okay, that and that was me. Okay, that's what that's what I had. And you just described it. My anxiety and my, you know, going back you know, I had two parents passing away, high school students when I was in the thick of it, my cortisol level was like out of owning two businesses was off the charts. It wasn't necessarily I didn't I never slept for sure. I didn't sleep. But the even the sleep quality that I had was horrible. My recovery was and I think that's not I'm so happy that you mentioned that because I think a lot of women take sleeping sleep aids or just just to try to get through the night and they you know, I wear the whoop strap and a sleep mod. I mean, I have every my husband, is a early adopter in everything. So I have, I'm connected up to all these contraptions to sleep with, right? So I have known for years that I, not only do I not sleep, but the sleep that I get is just, I don't recover at all. I have like a 30% recovery rate in my sleep. So that is, and that's what I've, I've said for years. I said, it's not even so much the hormones. It's that we're so sleep deprived that we're mental, you know, and no one can sleep off of three hours of sleep. You know, no one can function off of three hours of sleep and then that three hours of sleep be horrible. So what is, so, and that's why, that's why I turned to meditation and that's what's changed me. But is there a pill or a bioidentical? Are they working on something to help that? Because that, I feel like that is the number one problem with women's mental health. Sure. Absolutely. So we, we try to reduce our stressors with, you know, adaptogenic herbs. So let's take ashwagandha. That's one. L-theanine is another one that helps relax us. And then finally, there's progesterone bioidentical pill. And so the reason I like that, it's extended release. You take that at night. It affects the GABA receptors and it basically helps you sleep. So it decreases your night sweats, but it helps you sleep to get that like six to eight hours of sleep. And after we get to you sleeping, then we can work on balancing the other hormones. So that is the go-to. All right. So I'm going to come in next week if you have an appointment for that <laughs> bioidentical. That's the one I want. I was looking for yeah, that. I works. didn't know that. It's great. I've, yeah. all, the, all the herbal, all those herbal remedies, I've taken them all. I've done them all. If I could line them up on my counter, but uh, I, I'm coming. I'm coming in next week for that. So, have you seen a shift? And please say yes. But have you seen a shift in the last like five years, or as soon as you've been really, you know, targeting in on this this uh, category of gynecology practice of a shift in that we're going somewhere with this menopause that we're that women are demanding more? Are are you seeing that? So I think because of the internet, more women are definitely doing research into more of a natural approach for their symptoms. More women are communicating through blogs or pods like yours. And um, they're they're looking into practices that offer them, you know, that natural approach to, to, to 
menopause. And there's definitely, you know, I have to say there there are more functional medicine doctors, more integrative medicine doctors. Um, I think every specialty now will have a doctor that's dabbling, dabbing in, you know, in menopausal treatments. The only concern that I have, and I think it's amazing, I think it's amazing that the world has opened up and listening to women, women's needs. The only concern that I have is that there's no integrative approach. And you have to have an integrative approach when doing this, because oftentimes I will see women that are getting hormone therapy elsewhere, but they're, the providers are not doing their due diligence. You know, you have to make sure women are still doing their annual mammogram, right? They're still getting their pelvic ultrasounds, their pap smears, that their blood pressure and other comorbidities are well managed so that they're not increasing their underlying risk associated with uh, hormone therapy. So if you're not looking at the women as an entity, then you're really increasing their risks and you're not optimizing their their health. Because the whole point of menopausal bioidentical hormone therapy is to improve our quality of life because women are living longer. I mean, let's just say that, you know, we're living well into our 80s and we want to live the way we've been living in our 40s. And it shouldn't matter what age we're at if we can bring into our body those substances that our bodies no longer, you know, they're not producing as uh, as optimally. But we have to do it very safely. And so I think that's the key for women. I think women don't understand that. So they'll a lot of times they'll just get whatever they can from anyone just to feel better, but they don't understand that, you know, with that comes some risk. I, I, I agree with you. Where do you see or how do you see us getting to that? It, you know, in the perfect world, where do you see, you know, do you see it going in the direction of some doctors that we've spoken to have said that they, they're hoping their dream is to see walking through the doors. It's this beautiful practice. And there's, you know, uh, uh, the cardiologist and the gynecologist and the thyroid doctor and the dermatologist mm-hmm. all just focused on woman's health, like what you were just saying, all integrated, you're getting the best care possible. Um, it, do you think that is that's just a dream? Or do you think that that could be a reality? And and if it is a reality, what do we need to do to get us there? So, it, you know, it's kind of multifactorial. One of my biggest challenges is collaborating with other specialists um, to help women get bioidentical hormone uh, on board safely. Let's just say women have underlying heart disease, or they're seeing a neurologist or a rheumatologist. And for me to start them on bioidentical hormone, I need to have medical clearance from them. And a lot of them are not comfortable signing off because the stigma of hormone therapy remains. Regardless of what is out there in the literature, no one wants to put their medical license on the line and introduce hormone therapy to women for fear that they will be sued for developing breast cancer or stroke or um, you know blood clot formation. And I think everyone is so worried about that, that you know, you're not going to have doctors diving into this branch comfortably. You know, is it risky? Absolutely. You know, do I have to make sure my patients follow up every six months? And, and is it a pain? Sure. But I tell them at the front, I will not treat you if you do not listen to to these guidelines so that way we're practicing in, in a safe boundary. And we just don't have the support of the American College of OBGYN. We don't have the support of any other medical front to to let doctors offer women what they need. So you're only going to have, you know, a little bit here and there uh, in terms of women's options. It's sad, it's unfortunate. So is there, who do we need to talk to when you say, uh, you know, the board of gynecology, OBGYN, do, do we write letters? Do we raise money? Do we do marches? What, what what do women have to do to get the care that we that we deserve? Well, it, it, it requires um, the acknowledgement that bioidentical hormone therapy is safe and they will not say that. Mm. They will say that there's just no evidence
evidence-based literature on it. There aren't any large clinical trials. Um, you know, you can't uh, say what this compounding pharmacist puts in this uh, lotion compared to it. It's just not FDA regulated. If it's not FDA regulated, it'll never be approved. Mm-hmm. You're never going to go through clinical trials. Big pharma is never going to support it. Why should they when they already have synthetic hormone therapy? So it is not something that will ever go into mainstream. Right. It's always just going to be some doctors practicing at their own risk. Right, right. And and women demanding it. You know, I think that, you know, our gener- my generation, uh, us sitting here talking about this today, it's we we are not taking it sitting down. You know, you know, my mom, actually, my mom did do bioidenticals back when and back in the day. And she was she had a hard menopause. And she she read that Donna Summer book. And she went and got um, no, it wasn't yeah, it's Donna Summer, right? That did that yeah. did the bioidenticals no, back in with Summer. the 90s. And she it was, it was Suzanne. Suzanne, Suzanne thank Suzanne you. Summer. I knew not yeah. Donna. It's, it's, yes, right. <laughs> Suzanne Summer, who wrote that book. And she my mom yeah. read that book or saw her on 60 Minutes. And she was at a compounding pharmacist, you know, or doctor the next day she sought out and she said it saved her. And then, but then again, that 2002 study came out and I was like, oh, I'm not even going to do those either. And I I think that it's, you know, I think the studies of how much Alzheimer's has gone up and osteoporosis and all all the stuff that has increased since 2002 study of, of, is more detrimental and a crime really to, to women that we didn't get a chance to even have the opportunity to, to try, you know, I mean, people, you know, me and my friends are kind of circling back trying to do what we can now to try to put any little thing into into us to make sure that we are covered on those osteoporosis and Alzheimer's and stuff. But it just that that that's a shame. I hope that, you know, doctors like you, women like us, you know, people start really listening and we start demanding help and more better care. I agree with you. Well, Tony, we really want to thank you so much for being on. I was hanging on every word and every time I had a question, you answered it. So we have a lot to fight for every day as women, but thank you so much. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes. So I work with Complete Women Care. It's an all women's practice and we have an office in Manhattan Beach on Sepulveda. Uh, I'm an OBGYN board certified physician and you can uh, find our website online. And I'd be more than happy to take care of you and, <laughs> and your friends and help you through this transition. I do have one question, just a very last question. From what can we do for ourselves? What is the one thing that you would tell all women that they could do even before menopause? It's a great question. So I, I talk about this a lot with my patients in their 20s and 30s who are having a lot of PMS symptoms, and it all goes back to lifestyle. And when I say that, I mean trying to eliminate xenoestrogens from our environment. So xenoestrogens are uh, chemicals in a lot of the products that we use that act like estrogen and stay on our estrogen receptors far longer than our natural estrogens. But it's because of these xenoestrogens, um, and you can find them in non-organic products and pesticides and plastics. You could look up all kinds of data online in terms of how to you know, eliminate them. But that's usually what leads into a disruption in our hormone balance. And um, our transition into menopause is far more uh, intense when we are not, let's say, you know, living and eating healthy and, and, and trying to be as clean as possible. That sounds like a whole nother podcast for me. <laughs> Yes, it does. It is. Yeah. We're definitely having you on again. That is for sure. 
Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been my Thanks pleasure. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Some Like It Hot. Embrace the heat. Oh my gosh, SJ, what what did you think of that? Well, honestly, it was incredibly depressing, (laughs) I have to say, because she's right. She said never. She said the word never. She said never, your bioidenticals will never be approved by Mm -hmm. the FDA. Mm -hmm. And then that is where, that's just more work for us, Mm -hmm. right? More work for us, more studying for us, more advocating for ourselves. Advocate, advocate, advocate. I can't, every single person on this season has said that. And I just think that's so, we pay so much for our healthcare. We have an amazing and very smart people in the United States and that those answers wouldn't be just there for us to make us feel better and the doctors couldn't work together. Right. And why is that? You know, you don't want to bring up the whole equality and women's pay, everything, you know, we're marginalized, but it, you know, it has to cross my mind that if this was men, that there would be one pill that was already discovered and those men would be taking it and it wouldn't be an issue. Um, You know, and maybe I'm wrong because I do, I've spoken to some men that have said there's no research and they call it manopause and they've got their own set of issues too. And maybe it is because we're just all living Mm -hmm. longer. (laughs) Maybe. I disagree. When I've been searching online, like there's issues with, you know, men's penises when they don't work or they collect plaque Mm -hmm. and they curve and there is something they can do. There is a shot they put okay. up there. Onward there's ultrasound. There's all this stuff. Right. And guess what? Insurance pays for it. Right. Yeah. See. Yeah. You so got to think. I don't. I don't know, Franca. Mm-hmm. I think that women's health, because we weren't the bread makers in past, mm-hmm, right. you know, not that even a homemaker should have to feel awful right. during menopause, but you know what I mean? Well, it just goes back to our voice, our voice, our voice, advocate, advocate. And that's why we're doing this podcast is to yeah. get women on that warrior path to say, you know, there's no reason why we need to suffer. And I, I think, you know, what I've learned from Dr. Mueller and what my friends have learned and people that I just know that I've met when I've gone to listen to her speak is that there there are remedies. There are solutions. Oh, for you sure. You don't have to suffer, but you have to dig and dig and dig. And when you're laying in bed at night and you can't sleep and we're all on that, on our smartphone, you know, researching every sleep aid, every hot flash aid, you know, every vaginal dryness aid, every hair loss aid, you know, when we're researching that, that, you know, that it's all over in five, 10 different places, more than that, 30 different places instead of just someone telling us, please, what do I do? I mean, I, I was wondering, I was thinking that, you know, at the end, how we were talking about how women were getting pregnant older. And I went to a fertility clinic and I was part of a study when I got pregnant and it's a money making business. Mm -hmm. Like when you walk in, And they say to you, if you want to be pregnant, we will get you pregnant, Mm -hmm. but you have to pay. Mm -hmm. They don't say that, but you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, right. Right. It's a business. So just like we were talking about, maybe this is the next multi-million dollar business and that it will come along like pregnancy. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm banking on that. That's where I'm putting my money down on that. I, I think that there's just too many people, too many women that are demanding 
demanding more. I mean, we finally have a woman in the White House. So, right, right. You know, right. Maybe. You never know. You never know. And I, yeah, you know, never know. it's interesting that you found it depressing. I, I did not. I found it liberating. I found it that, yes, you know, the, every single one of those symptoms that I had in menopause, and still I have some residual effects, they are, she validated them. They you know, are. Right. They are. But what about right. all the women that don't have time? to even listen to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. no, I what know. What about all the women who suffer and don't even know they can have help? That is what I was thinking well, about. Well, that that's why I'm that's why I it, I wasn't depressed. I was thinking that, you know, we're 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 on the forefront here. We're pushing. It, it's not just us doing this podcast. It's there people are talking, finally talking. Sure. And I 100%. love uh, the first thing I'm going to do when we get off here is look up that December 19th the, oh, the, the 2019 study. Yeah. Yeah, yes. 2019 study. Yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna look it up. I don't know anything about it. I I think that, and I'm gonna send it in an email to all my friends. Yeah, <laughs> you go right. Wait, can I can I say something? Speaking yes. of depre- depressing. Yeah. Um, yes, Tammy, our producer. She, what do you have was, to say? When she was <laughs> listing off all the symptoms of menopause, there were like 50 of them, uh-huh. and they're all horrible sounding. Like <laughs> yeah, they are horrible sounding. <laughs> and I was like, could nature be any crueler? Like you're already going through, oh, you know. Uh, Shit, that's so true. Dying and all this other stuff. (laughs) All this stuff on top of it physically happening to you, on top of the mental problems that you're having. And and I love how she rattled them off. They, you know, and this and this and then this and then the vaginal dryness and then the this and this. And I was like, oh my gosh, stop, stop! Like really, truly, can you, you know, kick us when we're down for sure? Exactly. For sure. I was thinking. Well, we love Dr. Mueller. Yeah, man, she was full on. Dynamo. She's so good. So happy Dynamo. that there are doctors out there. And we have met them. We have them on this podcast yeah. that are really committed yeah. to women's health. And we thank them. And hopefully we can help them, right? And we thank all the yams who yeah, the have y- given their lives <laughs> for biodegradable. <laughs> thank the yams. Thanks the yams. I, am gonna I be, love yams. I'm growing those yams in my garden <laughs> this year. That's my <laughs> I'm growing the yams. Yeah. Rub, rub some yams all over my face and my vagina. I not, That's what I'm going to be doing. I did not unmute when she said yams, but you know I wanted to. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. Onward and upward. Here we go. Woo-hoo. Woo. Woo.